I really struggle with anxiety. That's like my main thing. Um, but I also, I also really struggle with depression sometimes. And with type of obsessive compulsive space I go into uh, where I fixate on something. Uh, it's really difficult for me to let go of something. And I've been doing therapy, psychotherapy for over four years now. And I've been doing a lot of reading and listening to a lot of podcasts and speaking to a lot of people and really just trying to kind of understand what this difficulty is that I have. And at the moment, it really feels to me that every time I explore it in a therapy session or I, you know, take psychedelics and I really try and go deep it seems to generally kind of boil down to the struggle that I have <clears throat> the struggle I have with not really knowing what what I really think is good and what I really think is bad and I've been thinking about that as kind of like my operating system um, and you'll you'll hear this analogy a lot like you know uh, the process of uh, being born into a culture and raised within it is kind of like being programmed with an operating system and it's it's quite a helpful analogy for me like i i struggle with uh yeah figuring out what i really think is is good and what i really think is bad and then acting accordingly I come from a very conservative, uh, short-sighted, um, borderline fascist background and I've been rebelling since I can remember against this operating system. Um, but through the rebellion I never really, at least when I was young, I, ne I never really developed my own operating system. I never really upgraded myself. Um, and so it's, it's um, only really in my 30s that I'm realizing, shit, I, I don't really know what's good and I don't really know what's bad. Um, and so I don't know how to filter my impulses effectively. Um, and this really, I mean, it might sound trivial, but it, it really impacts my life a lot. I really struggle with this day to day. Through therapy, I've, I've obviously explored a lot of my childhood traumas, and um, there's one in particular that keeps popping up. Uh, when I was l about four years old, um, my my parents really wanted to kind of get me to start going to a crash. And I was a particularly kind of needy little boy and, and struggled to be away from my mom. I had had a, another trauma before this that really gave me quite a lot of uh, separation anxiety. And so I was, I was really afraid of being without my mom. Um, but luckily for my parents, there was a lady next door to us as our neighbor. She, she ran her own kind of informal crash and I was willing to go there because it was like... I could see my mom over the over the wall if I needed to. Um, and this one day that I remember at the crash is when this lady 
uh, introduced us to um, uh, the idea of the afterlife. Uh, and so I was raised a conservative Christian, so this would have been the Protestant perspective on the afterlife. And my memory really kind of zooms in on, on the, the concept of hell. Uh, and in this kind of Protestant paradigm, hell is seen as, you know, as an eternity of suffering uh, inflicted as a, as a punishment. And, and the way that she introduced us to these concepts is that she had two collages, um, one of them representing heaven and the other one representing hell. Um, so the heaven one was, uh, of course, a clutter of like stock photo type imagery of white people in beautiful fields with balloons and golden retrievers. Um, uh, and the hell one was a horrifying mishmash of like war and poverty and disease, just, just really like terrible suffering. And then she went on, like she explained um, each of these uh, ideas to us um, and then uh, continued by telling us that we would, you know, when we die, we would spend the, uh, something called eternity in either of these places, depending on what this man called God thinks of us. Um, and so, you know, four years old, my brain... I don't think it, it could really grasp these these abstract concepts. I didn't know what was going on. I was terrified. Um, and it, it really affected me very deeply. I started having these night terrors and I couldn't sleep. I was afraid that if I sleep, I might die in my sleep. And I... Um, yeah, ultimately I was afraid that I might go to hell. I didn't really understand how to like satisfy God and how to ensure that he judges me uh, worthy of heaven and not of hell. So I developed all these like um, obsessive compulsive rituals that I would do to help me feel safe. Uh, whatever would help me feel like I'm uh, being good and not bad or yeah, uh, whatever helped me feel a sense of goodness um, and yeah I struggled with that for a, a really long time and I'm still experiencing the ripple effects of that today. I think it infected me with a way of thinking that, you know, this that still plagues me today, 30 years later. It created, this experience created a, f a foundation in my thinking and, uh, and in my feeling. It created or it contributed very much to my kind of the, the, the creation of my worldview. And in this version of, of, of my worldview, there are good people and there are bad people and then there's one person who's this man who can decide who's who and there are real consequences to being a good to being labeled to be an, said to be a good person or a bad person an eternity worth of consequences 
So through these years of, of psychotherapy that I've been doing, I, I've been tracing a lot of my unwanted, unconscious thinking patterns back to this experience um, and the impression that it made on me. And I can now see that it was a real trauma. Some people think about ideas like viruses, or they use the virus analogy to explain how ideas work. So these idea viruses, you know, they spread through memes and infect the way we think. The virus analogy is also often used to explain how trauma works. So people call childhood trauma an epidemic. Um, activists are trying to get lawmakers to think about violence like a disease so that they can consider it a public health threat. Even like renowned psychiatrists are outspoken about the different ways in which trauma functions like a virus. Now, maybe it's because of the recent pandemic and inadvertently suddenly learning more about virology, but both of these frames are really helpful to me. It helps me to feel less like a weirdo and kind of normalizes my situation. It feels comforting to say that I was infected with a meme when my psychological, mental and spiritual bodies were too vulnerable to manage the infection. Then, left untended, it progressed into a disease that I experience today as things like my depression and my anxiety. I'm not saying that this one trauma was the one thing, you know, that all my mental kind of issues are directly linked to this one experience. But it was a really impactful moment for me. It's definitely not the only meme virus that I have, but it is, it's one of the more dangerous ones as it does create disease that I have to treat and manage daily. But it's not the only virus, it's not the only idea virus I have. I, I feel riddled with meme viruses. And ma many, if not most, of these harmful memes that I have, I caught unknowingly simply by growing up in a post-colonial and post-apartheid South Africa. Like ideas about what it means to be Afrikaans, what it means to be a man, what sex is, and what we're supposed to do with this life. What's been most influential for me is this idea of good and bad, right and wrong. When is it appropriate to feel shame and guilt and anxiety and what are these emotions for? Because what I tend to do today, um, even after all this kind of work that I've done, is I still feel shame when it's not appropriate for me to feel shame. I feel guilt when there's no logical reason for me to feel guilt and I'm anxious almost all the time if I'm not busy doing something consciously to reduce my anxiety. When I was two years into psychotherapy, uh, this idea that I might have a type of post-traumatic stress disorder started to occur to me. And now after you know another few years of therapy and lots of work, I can see that I do have a type of PTSD. And it does 
it does feel similar to having a virus. If we can take this virus analogy a, a little bit further, if you can just bear with me, then I'd say that the variant of this virus that I have is a highly evolved one. So, like biological viruses, mind viruses surely progress in the same way, right? They become more contagious and maybe a little less deadly. So this variant that I have is a highly evolved one. It's, it's highly contagious, um, but not as overtly deadly, not as directly damaging. It isn't transferred through massive physical trauma like war and abuse. It's more subtle. It's transferred through generations of warped and confused thinking and behavior. Weird and bewildered worldviews and belief systems. So it's obviously a, a, a major theme in psychotherapy to kind of trace a lot of your, your issues back to childhood traumas. And for me, it feels uh, like I can, I can trace a lot of my own trauma back to this confused worldview that I grew up with. And although I've been working really hard to consciously change this foundation, I'm still hyper-influenced by my conservative, Protestant, Afrikaans, European heritage. And it's not just through social learning during my lifetime, but also, I believe, genetically in all the trauma I inherited from my ancestors. I often wonder about what it must have been like to grow up in Europe pre-globalization, when life was local and fixed, to have known one way of life and one worldview and to believe without a doubt that this reality you are experiencing is truly the only reality there is. And then to leave that reality, to get on a ship, to cross an ocean you've never seen the end of, and to try and replicate your reality in a totally new world, where it must be clear that you were wrong. Your reality isn't the only one. Your reality isn't the only one. Your reality isn't the only one. I think this experience must have been traumatizing. I think that the thinking and belief systems they brought over from Europe to Africa must have been warped and infected by this process of colonization. I can only imagine how you have to compromise your logic and your compassion, your humanity, in order to justify the crimes and tragedies you're inflicting on others with like slavery, colonization and apartheid. Either directly through your action or indirectly through your apathy and your privilege. How much can you bend your worldview before it starts to crack? I believe that the variant of trauma virus I have 
originated in the festering wounds of warped Victorian Protestant thinking as it decayed during the process of colonization. And I believe that, like me, many people today have contracted variants of this trauma virus, either through their upbringing or genetically from their parents. It's clearer how the crimes of the past in Southern Africa have impacted the victims of, for example, colonialism. But it's less clear how it impacted the perpetrators. Maybe one of the ways it impacted them was with this infection. You know, maybe one of the ways it impacted them was by compromising their worldviews. And as the descendants of these criminals, this trauma virus might be the psycho-spiritual price we pay for the financial and social privilege we also inherited. I'm interested in exploring what, if anything, we can do about it, and I do think it's worth exploring. The question is, how do we heal? Well, for me, at the very center of this infected worldview is my spiritual belief system. How I think about my soul, God, and the afterlife. So, for me to really heal my trauma disease instead of just continuing to treat the symptoms, I need to revisit what I believe. I need to somehow kill the virus. I need to strengthen my meta-immune system with healthy bodies of means that can fight the virus. At the moment, my spirit is a confused brew of my Protestant upbringing mixed with superficial fragments of America's interpretation of Eastern belief systems like Buddhism. It's not great. So I'm asking for help. This podcast, both Are True, is a multimedia series that asks people with different worldviews how their belief systems work. I'd like to talk to everyone, from spiritual practitioners to traditional priests. Trying to keep an agnostic perspective, I'll look for the beauty in each belief system um, to find the healthy means that can support a recovery. I'd also like to talk to people who either study or practice different ways of healing. I'm not going into this thing with a rigid strategy, so I can't really tell you exactly what to expect. But I can say that each interview will produce a multimedia package of content and that, and that I'll be sharing uh, this content online, on Apple Podcasts, Instagram, and YouTube. Ultimately, I want and I need to heal. And I think this will help. But beyond that, I, like many people, believe that calibrating our different worldviews will promote peace in this world that seems to be ripping itself apart at the moment. As above, so below. My hope 
is that this content will inform, inspire and enlighten you in some way. I hope you subscribe and contribute through comments and by emailing me your thoughts. If you are secure in your worldview and you'd like to share, or you are a healer and you'd like to be interviewed, please send me an email. It would be a huge success if this project can support a type of community effort to explore and, yeah, calibrate our different ways of thinking. Thanks for listening all the way, and I hope you enjoy the episodes.